Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. gives a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for his return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. One of the key components to last day's prophecy is peace in the Middle East. With the most recent decision to decriminalize settlements in the West Bank, we know that the enemies of Israel are seething with anger. Today, Pastor J.D. will talk about some of these headlines surrounding this most recent development. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on December 8, 2019. You know, if everything was going smashingly, again, there's that word. I'm, I'm telling you, we're going to bring that word back, smashing. Well then, first of all, Christians will become complacent and they won't want to go. Isn't it true when things are going well, we don't think about the Lord's return? And then when things aren't going well, we want the Lord to come back, Right? Well, I see that on a, on a global basis and on a global scale as well. So it's, it's almost like, I, I know my Bible tells me that this has to happen. There has to be this perplexity and nation against nation, and ethnic group against ethnic group, and division and discord, because it's going to usher in the Antichrist this new world order, and this one world government, economy, and religion. And interesting, I just, this morning I, I decided to include this Arutz Sheva article. It has an accompanying video. It's about 50 minutes in length. I'd encourage you to actually watch it. It's two Jews, one a rabbi, and they ask these two questions. You see the first one on the screen. Will a Messiah prevent an election? (laughs) What? (laughs) Who can prevent the elections in Israel, which a large majority of the public thinks are unnecessary and will change nothing anyway? True. Listen to this. Gil Hoffman and Rabbi Stuart Weiss talk about miracles and Hanukkah, and the challenge of forming a government in Israel. Gill says he believes with complete faith that a Messiah will still come and prevent a third election, even though it currently looks detached from reality, and that the Jewish people never lose hope. You know, that's what they're waiting for and hoping for, right? They're still waiting for the Messiah because they rejected the true Messiah. So they're going to embrace the false Messiah, the false Christ, the Antichrist. 
And I would submit that the world today, like never before, is so ripe, so ready for the Antichrist. And the reason I sometimes get in trouble is because I know, and we're going to see this when we get to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, I know that the Antichrist cannot be revealed until the church is raptured. And I'm, I'm looking at this and going, we're waiting for the Messiah, Antichrist, to come, save the day, <laughs> no elections, let us build our temple, bring peace and security. <laughs> And I'm thinking, oh wow, that's the Antichrist. And we're not going to be here. We're not looking for the Antichrist. We're looking for Jesus Christ. And that trumpet to sound. And so the, but, but they're not. And so they're waiting for the Antichrist. And we get caught up by Jesus Christ first. Why wouldn't we want that? I mean, I mean it's kind of like, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You want chaos disorder? Go ahead, because <laughs> that means I'm going home. Okay, never mind. I, I feel better anyway. I just had to. <laughs> so let me try to bring it in for a close. We shouldn't be surprised, right? We shouldn't be surprised that this is happening nor should we be surprised by the swiftness with which it's happening. And here's why. This is what I call the foretold unstoppable momentum. I'll explain. When birth pains start and gain momentum, there's no stopping it, right? I was there for the birth of four of our uh, children. Oh, it was rough. I'm talking about me, not my wife, <laughs> with the birth pains. But anyway, no, it was. It was rough. I have such a respect for my amazing wife. But I was there. And when those birth pains started, you'll forgive me for the way I'm saying this, but that baby's coming. You ain't stopping it. I know that's not proper English. Don't email me. <laughs> Once those birth pains start, and they create a momentum, the baby is coming. And this is what Jesus is saying. He says, nation will rise against nation, Mark 13, 8. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. And then he likens them to the beginning, beginning of birth pains, which once started, don't stop. Could you imagine? How weird would that be, right? You're dilated to a nine. I'm sorry, uh, guys. And <laughs> listen, I had learned more about reproductive, you know, <laughs> anyway, anatomy of the, anyway. So you're dilated to the nine centimeters and the, the doctor comes in and says, you know what? I got to take my staff to lunch. Let's just hold off right now. No, you can go to lunch, but that baby's coming. Paul writing to the church in Rome. Romans chapter 8 verse 22 says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, birth pains, right up to the present time. And then one of my personal favorite, and we're going to get, we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. <laughs> you know what comes after chapter 4? 
I know this is going to be deeply profound. Chapter 5. Spoiler alert, <laughs> when we get to verse 3 of 1 Thessalonians 5, I can't wait. Because this is where Paul says, while people are saying peace and security, destruction will come on them swiftly, suddenly, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, because once they start, they don't stop, and they will not escape. Notice the um, emphasis on they, because he delineates between they not escaping, and we who are alive and remain will be escaping when the dead in Christ rise first, and we who are alive remain. This is why, and I've shared this before, I'll share it again very quickly and we'll close. I really believe, and I'm becoming increasingly convinced, that said sudden destruction that comes upon them, when the sudden destruction goes down, we go up. Yeah. How about that? Okay. So, I want to make one, and again I'm going to maybe uh, make some guys uncomfortable. You'll forgive the analogy. We may very well be dilated. <laughs> I told you to forgive me. Ten centimeters, yeah. Prophetically. And it's just a matter of time. Just like with birth pains, that baby's coming. Jesus is coming. And there's no stopping him. He's coming. And look at the momentum. Look at the speed, the urgency with which everything is taking place. One last thing. Did I already say one last thing? Doesn't matter. Just one, one more last thing. And we've talked about this in Revelation a couple times. Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. And that word for quickly in the original language of the Greek New Testament is tacos, where we get our English word for the tachometers in our cars, which is a gauge, a measurement of revolutions per minute. The time is fixed. No man knows the day or the hour. But what Jesus was saying is, I'm coming at a time when things are revving up. So maybe I need to, for the guys, okay, for the women, we're at 10. Okay. For the guys, we're redlining at 6,000 RPMs. Okay. Is that better? That, that, you know, the guys are going, yeah, that's, thank you, I needed that. So, okay. <laughs> this is why we do these prophecy updates. Pastor, you say that every week. I know. And I'm going to keep saying it every week as long as the Lord gives me breath. There is coming a week when I won't say it anymore. And the reason is, and you know the reason, I won't be here and you better not be here either. <laughs> it's also why we end with the gospel of Jesus Christ, salvation found in the person of Jesus Christ, and the explanation of salvation by way of the ABCs of salvation. What's the gospel? The word gospel means good news. Your debt has been paid, you're free. Good news. 
That's the good news, the gospel. Jesus came, paid the debt in full when he was crucified. Then he was buried. And then he rose again on the third day. And he's coming back again one day. Good news. That is really good news, especially in a world filled with such bad news. The ABCs of salvation is just a simple explanation of salvation and the good news of salvation. The A is for admit or acknowledge that you sinned. And this is so important because the acknowledging of your sin means you need a Savior. Absent admitting or acknowledging or realizing that you've sinned, you're not interested in the Savior. And this is what repentance means in the sense that you're turning from your sin and to the Savior for forgiveness of sin. And that's where it starts. Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. None are good. I always quote this at memorial services. And the reason I do is because most people believe that if you're a good person, you go to heaven. Well, I got some bad news for you. There's going to be a lot of good people in hell, and there's going to be a lot of bad people in heaven. And I'll be at the front of that line, because that's not the gauge by which you measure whether or not you enter heaven. There's no one good. You might be good, you know, because at a memorial service, everybody just talks about how good they were. Oh, they were such a good person. They had such a good heart. I don't have the heart to read out of Jeremiah where it says, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? No, they might have been good. Okay, fine. But nobody will ever be good enough. Here's why. The word sin, and this is something that, ah, oh, so sad because it's, virtually never talked about in churches today. Just bear with me. This is important. You know what the word sin means? It's actually an archery term. And it means you miss the bullseye. You miss the mark. So if, if you're an archer in that day, in that culture, and you shoot your arrow and you miss the bullseye, they're going to say, you sinned. I did? Yeah. You missed the mark. You fell short. And that's what Romans 3.23 says. All have sinned, missed the bullseye, and fallen short of the glory of God. By the way, if you're sharing the gospel and you're getting stuck with this first one, where the person just believes, hey, I didn't murder anybody, you need to take them back to the law, the mirror of the law and let them see themselves in the mirror of the law of God, the way God sees them. You take them and you ask them questions like, and this is just one way, I've used it many times, it's very effective, especially when I'm dealing with somebody that's giving me a hard time about, hey, I'm not a sinner, I'm not a bad person, I'm a good person, I didn't murder anybody. So I said, well, hey, um, have you ever like coveted your neighbor's Mercedes-Benz 560SL, convertible, red, Palomino leather. You sin. Yeah, but that's a little thing, doesn't matter. 
If, if I've got a chain, I got 10 links on it, and nine of them are good to go. But one of them is just, it's just kind of, it's just hanging on. How secure are you? It just takes one. Romans 6.23, I love Romans 6.23, because once somebody embraces the reality, and it is the reality that they've sinned against God and fallen short of the glory of God, now you have to pronounce the sentence on them. What's the sentence? What's the penalty? Oh, this is bad news. Don't you hate it when somebody says, I've got good news and I've got bad news. Which one do you want first? I don't want the bad news. Just give me the good news. <laughs> no, you have to have the bad news. Actually, first, the bad news is you've been sentenced to death. It's the death penalty, man. The wages of sin is death. That's really bad news. <laughs> good. Because now that you know how bad the bad news is, the gooder, this isn't, again, don't email me, the badder the bad news is, the gooder the good news will be. If I've just been sentenced to death, I'm ready for some good news. I have some good news for you. The gift of God, gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I always like the courtroom analogy. There you are before the judge of the universe, and you're guilty as charged, and now you're in the sentencing phase of the trial, and the judge of the universe sentences you to death. And just as they're getting ready to take you away, in walks a man, no ordinary man. He's the God-man, Jesus the Christ. And he says to the judge of the universe, hold everything, stop. I will go to my death in his stead, in her stead. And the judge of the universe looks at you and says, good news, <laughs> your debt's paid, you're free to go. Unshackle him. That's what the word gospel means. That's the good news. It's, it's the gift of God <laughs> given to us, you know, at this time of year at Christmas, a gift is something that we didn't pay for. If we pay for it, it's not a gift. I know that's a firm grasp of the obvious, right? If I, if I pay for it, it's not a gift. I paid for it. But now somebody else pays for it and gives me the gift. That's a gift. Well, that's what Jesus did. He paid for it. It cost him everything. It cost him his life. And he went to his death. And he paid in full for it, and he offers it to us. The B is for believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Uh, this is one place where I like that word will. <laughs> I want the word will in that one. You will be saved. The C. The C is for call upon the name 
of the Lord, or as Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And here's why. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Romans ten thirteen. lastly, seals the deal. All who call upon the name of the Lord, and here's that word again, will, will be saved. It's childlike simple. Jesus said we must come trusting as a child to Him to enter the kingdom of God. I do want to say that if you're here today or watching this online by some other way, and you've never called upon the Lord, confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart, trusting in Him for the forgiveness of sin, I would implore you today to make the most important decision of your life for eternal life. And I want to take it a step further. And maybe this is for somebody watching online. There's no, it's no accident that you came upon this video on YouTube. God directed you here for such a time as this. Today is the day of salvation. I don't know why anyone would ever want to put off or delay such an important decision with the stakes so high. We're talking about eternity here. We're talking about eternity here. And when you see what's happening in the world today, oh my goodness. I mean, it's, if you don't know the Lord, this is terrifying, right? But if you do know the Lord, this is, and, and people criticize us for this. They think there's something sadistic about us. We're, we're seeing everything going in the world going, hallelujah, praise the Lord. What, what did Russia do? Praise you, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Maranatha. And people are looking at you going, what is the matter with you? Oh, you know what this means? It means Jesus is coming. Because we were told this would happen right before He came. Father, thank You. Thank You so much, Lord. Thank You for telling us in Your Word what's going to happen before it happens, so that those who don't believe will believe, and those who do believe will lift up their heads and look up, knowing our redemption draws nigh. Lord, for anyone here or watching online that has never called upon You, I pray today they would surrender to You, call on You, put their trust in You. And Lord, finally, lastly, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Even so, Maranatha. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kariohe. Now, it's so important that you hear the purpose behind these prophecy updates that Pastor J.D. shares. The purpose is to see people just like you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
When you're right with the Lord, you'll be ready for the Lord and His soon return. You can do this by first admitting you're a sinner, that you've broken God's perfect law. Second, you need to confess that there's nothing you can do to fix this. You can't attend church enough, you can't pray enough or give enough money. There's nothing you can do to atone for your sins. Third, you must realize that there is someone who can. His name is Jesus Christ, and He is the Savior of the world. He gave His own life so that you wouldn't have to experience the penalty for your sins, which is death. Please, if you're listening today, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and escape the realities of the prophecies that are being fulfilled all around you. For more information about what it means to be born again into the kingdom of God, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and select the New Believers option. Again, that web address is InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Now, in the next edition of In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. will be teaching through God's Word just like he does Monday through Thursday. And then don't forget to join us next Friday and Saturday for another timely prophecy update. Until then, may God bless you and keep you in His love.